Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode 90. We're recording from the Sexplanations RV in Tijuana, (laughs) Mexico with my friend Nick Tay. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the Sexplanations podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Finally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've been on the Sexplanations YouTube channel, little snippets of you. Um, and I have known you now for like four or five years because I came down here to speak. Thank you to your amazing group of friends. (laughs) And now I'm here. We're recording this on Christmas Day. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Feliz Navidad. (laughs) So exciting. So, um, let's talk about bad sex ed and anything else we want to say. Okay. But first, can we do a a testy? Okay. Like, uh. A quiz question that you're going to ask me to test my intelligence around sexuality. Dr. Doe is holding testes. She's holding testes. Um, do you know if there's any research in Mexico or in the world regarding mental illness and sex? Like any stats or any research or things like that? Any sort of place where we can go and look how people with mental illness work around it to have intimacy or sex or explore themselves? So your question is, is there a resource out there mm-hmm. for the research that's been done on mental illness and its effects on sexuality? Correct. I'm sure there are lots. Because think... a lot of people are struggling with the side effects of SSRIs mm-hmm. and other medications. And so... But where do you go? Like, do I just... Like, I'm afraid of Googling, like, anxiety and sex or what are the stats or, like, how do you... How do you find that kind of information? And how do you know if it's trustworthy? Because here in Mexico, I don't think that there are a lot of... Like, aside from the INEHI, which is the organization that does like the census, I don't think that there's any organization or governmental institution or something that you can go to get that kind of information. Like, where do we get that kind of stats from? Or who do we go and ask? I don't know. Sounds like you really want to know. Yeah, Okay. So I I will help you find it. I apologize for not having the answer right now. I wish that I was that magnificent of a sex ed resource that I could like. (laughs) Here's the exact study. The date was published. The top researchers on it and uh, everything you need to know about its limits. And then here's the research that others are doing to improve upon it because we are infinitely sexually curious beings and there are no limits to access of sex education and research like money. (laughs) Not at all. Or (laughs) respect. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've always been like curious about statistics or like data. There has to be information out there, but just kind of where to find it or how, who to go to to ask that kind of thing. I, I don't know. And here in Mexico, we're like really shy about asking things. Hmm. So I don't think that anyone like having sex ed classes would like go to any teacher to talk about this kind of thing. And I don't even think that people realize a lot of the times that they're mentally ill. So 
how that affects their relationship to their sexuality. Um, it's just, I'm puzzled naturally because I have a mental illness and I want to understand myself better and how to relate better to other people. But I don't even know sometimes where to go from where I am. And the internet is a very big, vast, and sometimes scary place. Yeah, it is. Well, and before now, do you, did you ever use AltaVista? No. What is that? That was um, an earlier search engine mm-hmm. and it didn't use algorithms to organize information. So mm. when you searched for something, it would just bring up everything that was on the internet oh, about wow. it. And I don't even know if it had a particular order that was like alphabetical or chronological or anything like that. So it really relied on the user to determine whether or not a source was credible. Okay. But I remember researching female ejaculation and coming up with things like it's beer piss because the person <laughs> is like so inebriated that yeah and like it has imbibed so much alcohol that it, it comes out in large quantities. I was like, what? <laughs> oh goodness. Internet all days. <laughs> right? That is bad sex yeah, ed. That's that's terrible sex ed. <laughs> I wish I wish it was better than that. What is sex ed like here in Mexico? Well, I think it's precarious. Um I remember having some sex ed um in regards to the reproductive organs probably in elementary school Mm -hmm. but it was like rushed through and just like covered like the very basics like there was nothing about pleasure there was nothing about trans people there is it was just like this is the man this is the woman okay we're moving on to the next section and then in high school they i think i had maybe one or two talks about um reproductive health like Mm -hmm. this is how you stop a pregnancy uh, or how you prevent it um, with a condom and then there's the implant um, and then for some unforbidden reason they showed us an abortion video I think that it was a pro-life abortion video it was scarring like I, I'm pretty sure it's meant to to like deter you from having sex but it was just like why like thinking back on it like why the f- can I can I swear? yes yes why the fuck <laughs> why the fuck would they show this to kids you know like we're 16 17 and suddenly there's this video of a woman being rushed into the hospital and then like there's this like suction thing and the woman is screaming because she's in pain and you it's not really graphic but you kind of fill in the holes with like really terrible mental pictures and so they tell you like you know this is what happens when you get an abortion and that's it like that's all that you get at least that was my experience in a public school um i had uh, the privilege of having a mom that was a sex educator um and i know that she went to a lot of um schools to talk to the parents and to the students in the outskirts of the city um, back in the day. Um, but I don't know that the information that I had just from school was enough at all. Um, it was, like I said, like really rushed through and, and like really the basics just to kind of say that th- that it was not ignored, but it lacked a lot of representation. And, and I think that because of the cultural um, stigma around sex, kids didn't even dare to ask more about whatever they were curious of. So um, I don't remember any of my schoolmates like asking anything or um, I don't know like daring to like question the information that was given to us and I think many if not all of us 
uh, really understood sex through our peers, like our friends, um, or the internet when it finally came out. <laughs> um, but it, it wasn't as informed by porn as it might be now. Um, it was it was more I don't know more conversations maybe that you had with your friends. Um, but it, it was definitely not good sex ed. It was not comprehensive. It was not inclusive. Um, I've learned a lot about sexual like like the organs and and arousal and consent through the internet through things like Tumblr, which I I don't use anymore. But I I came to think of it as a really interesting source of information for minorities at a time when I used it a lot. Um, I would follow people that had different experiences to mine that I had never heard of, um, like someone that maybe was aromantic or asexual and what that means for them or how they interact with people which is something that nobody tells you like oh people don't crave sex or don't crave romance or or meet somewhere in the middle or the Kingsley scale is something that I think at some point I found and I was really impressed and I, I really like that because um, it's not all black and white like they tell us you're either gay or you're straight or or you're nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that when I found that I felt a lot of like uh, like I could identify better in that scale than in this black and white idea that they push to all of us um because i i like i find some people really beautiful even if i don't want to have anything with them but and i don't i i never know like if a lot of people assume i'm gay including my family at some point but um i don't i don't think of myself as gay i think of myself as straight um but i never like i i, I find some women really beautiful um and it's it's odd because they don't tell you that you can't appreciate your your same gender and not be attracted or that you can really like someone and then not want to have sex with them yeah. <laughs> you know they don't do these things yeah um uh like i follow uh and i learned a lot uh, about trans people and their experiences and it's some things that i had never occurred to me like how dangerous it could be to go to the bathroom if you're trans how difficult it can be and how they are at a higher risk for um uh, urinary infections because mm-hmm. they're afraid to go to the restroom and it's just like what the f-? like things that we give for granted um so yeah it's it's a combination of lack of information and, and lack of trust um, when it comes to like having good sexual education here. Um, and even I grew up in a really privileged house where my mom and my dad would always be open to answering any questions we had. And, and there was this like every Sunday they would sit us down for breakfast and they would be like, OK, what do you want to discuss this Sunday? Oh, it was really cool. We, we discussed drugs, um, euthanasia, sex, like whatever we wanted. It, my brother and and I would either one or the other would choose a topic and then we would go back there and we would discuss it. And so I know that I had access to something really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people had it and and I would hope that they would, but I don't know. Like there has been so much uprising, even if including like gay people and, and books or like um, talking more about sex beyond just like, oh, don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant. Um, and, and I think that it's the same old story of like just don't have sex instead of having safe sex consensual sex and i see it in the way that we talk like i had this one experience with someone i love very much and he was saying no i i'm a gentleman like if a girl is super drunk i i don't have sex with her and it's like if you had that would be rape that wouldn't be sex but men don't think about it that way and he thought he was so good because he did not have sex with a girl that was so wasted she couldn't stand 
And it was like, what? <laughs> like, no, that does what? <laughs> that's like the bare minimum you're supposed to do. That's <laughs> not like being like chivalrous or like what the yeah. um or like even with street harassment, like they continue to tell you to take it as a compliment where it's like, no, it's about a power dynamic and about them asserting that they are the, the like, you know, the alpha males in the streets and like making you feel smaller. Um and a lot I think has to do with the way religion is intertwined in everything thing that we do like does this christmas break like you know like kids get like a big break because it's a christian slash catholic country um but a lot of things are like kept under the you know under the rug and they're not spoken about and like we should have more open and honest conversations but we we don't have them yet i hope it's a work in progress but we still have a lot to go it would be so cool if all households or communities even had mm-hmm. like the sunday conversations yeah, about anything i love that it doesn't have to necessarily be about sexuality because so many of the lessons that i apply to sex come from other places mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um can we go back to the abortion movie <laughs> because yeah. so i think that there is a way to do that correctly yeah for sure i on sexplanations would love at some point to show an, an abortion. abortion and i think it would be super helpful like when you did the pap smear mm-hmm. like i think at least for some like like me that has a lot of anxiety when it comes to physical contact when i had to get my first one i i panicked and i cried the whole time and not because i was in pain but just because somebody was touching me and i didn't understand what was happening even though the doctor was telling Mm -hmm. me but looking at the video you had done before kind of helped me mentalize myself like okay like this is what's happening and this is the kind of thing that is normal to feel versus this is something i need to tell the doctor not like this is not okay um so i really hope that we would have more comprehensive kind of information about what an abortion is like what the aftercare could be because when you see it in a movie it's like they go to Planned parenthood and then they walk out and everything is fine and dandy or they're crying but you don't see if they're in pain you don't see if they need any aftercare or medication or like you know like what actually happens with a body when you get an abortion do you just take a pill do the the one of the things that because abortion is illegal here there are uh in the whole country yeah i think that it's only legal in mexico city um but here in in tj there's a i don't know how to say it in english acompañamiento um so there's a group that will be there in case you want to do a home at home abortion with this medication that is for uh gastritis gastritis oh yeah 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 um so um you can reach out to them and tell them i want to get an abortion it is within the x amount of weeks that you're allowed to without putting Mm -hmm. yourself in danger and they'll go to your house or they'll send somebody to your house to be with you throughout the process to take care of you um and they know like you're gonna get cold and this is gonna happen and just we need yeah here in tijuana i'm not gonna say the name because i'm not gonna put them on the spot yeah um but they are amazing and they'll spread this information and they'll support anyone they even have like a hotline um because because it's important to have access to this because not everyone is ready to have and bear a child you know and and if we only understood how it works what the body does um we might be having more safer ways to do it but 
we don't speak about it at all. Um, and like, this, this people get attacked a lot and, and, and thought of as killers. And like, I don't like, I've never been to an abortion. I'm never going to have one because I'm never going to be able to get pregnant. Um, but I would really love to understand what happens to a body and how to support someone that's going through it. Because at some point you're going to know somebody that is, is going to get an abortion. Yeah. So like, why we might as well be informed. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah i have i have a lot of feelings about it and i'm very curious about the video that you saw and whether or not it was traumatic to you because it was something new or if it was actually presented as yeah. a scare tactic and i want to know if there of course of course of all the people who know how to do it dr doe knows how to <laughs> teach about an abortion without scare tactics so i really want to do it and then, then there's lovely. this other part of me that's like i could get pregnant and go through an abortion Oh boy. <laughs> but, but like that yeah. oh boy thing is the social stigma of an abortion. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm really not opposed to it, then it's you like. You should be comfortable with the idea, right? Yeah. I think it, there's this um, researcher who had 200 spots on his body stung, I think. Maybe I have the wrong number. Okay. But he, he, he would. Um, there are multiple studies where people have done things like this. But one of them was that the person got stung by the same species and okay. all of these different locations to determine which parts of the body were the most sensitive to oh, a bee sting. Okay. And then another researcher has, I don't know if they call themselves researchers. I'm calling them <laughs> researchers. For science. Um, did the pain scale. So subjected himself oh. to um, like scorpions and snake bites and... To kind of rank them. Yeah. Oh, Which I appreciate. Interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. But it's the same thing where you're kind of putting your body into a situation that is not ideal so that you can give information to other yeah, people. Yeah, to everyone. Yeah, I think if, yeah. <laughs> one time, because I was um, in a like a philosophy class at some point and, and they asked us if we were for or against the day after pill. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, like absolutely, I'm, I'm for it. And then he was like, would you use it on yourself? And I think that at, at that point, I was like, I'd never, again, because we've had this conversation, at that point in my life, I never thought I would have sex. So when he asked me that, I had to stop and think, wait, if I had sex, oh, yeah, then I would. But it took me a couple of seconds to answer. And he was like, see, you're not completely sure. And I was like, you don't understand <laughs> where my train of thought was going. <laughs> um, but yeah, come to think of it, like if if you know you're going to get a safe abortion and you're going to be OK, because I don't again, there, there are a lot of things that I don't understand about pregnancy. Like, how do you know, like how fast can you know like some people can tell right away some people get through the three mar month mark and they're still getting their periods and they don't think they're getting pregnant or um like i don't know like it'd be interesting if you're afraid i don't right? appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> need a sperm donor yeah. i yeah, i <laughs> learn so much experientially yeah and people want me to talk about pregnancy or they want um you know when i was younger and doing sex education they wanted me to talk about sex and aging and i was like these these are areas where I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, because you're not there. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. So hmm. we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm testing it out with you. What does Tuesday say? What does 
What's your response? I mean, yeah. like, I for me, it's such a scary situation to be pregnant itself because of my chronic illness and my mental illness that it just, it wasn't an option for me. Even from a young age, I never saw myself getting pregnant or having kids. And when I had to make the decision to get my uterus removed, it was just like a no-brainer. I was just like, yeah, like, I don't ever want to get pregnant and I don't want to have to freak out about um, all the things that could go wrong with my body. Um, it's a very scary thing for me to think of me as a pregnant person. It would yeah. be like, ah, so many things can go wrong with me and with the creature inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> that it just I don't I don't know but if you're comfortable with that I mean I'm all for it for science <laughs> I mean people have offered to one person has offered to do a vasectomy oh. other people have talked about like talking yeah, about yeah. their hysterectomies and things that's like another that. thing like I had no like framework of what a vasectomy um, was like or enticed mm-hmm. until one of my friends <laughs> I love him he, he has like the greatest humor in life he so there are some campaigns here in Tijuana where you can get it for free from the public's um, health systems. And it's ambulatory. So you go in and you go out like good as new um and so there was this one campaign maybe a month ago um and one of my friends decided to get it um and so he made like a whole review of like he plays a lot with with words so it was really funny when you were reading it i'll send it to you and i'll try my best to translate it but he was saying like you know what like you're not gonna let any woman get away with your precious jewels which are your sperms anymore you're gonna keep them to yourself and blah 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 but at the (laughs) same time he explained like you know it's it doesn't hurt nothing goes wrong you're not sick it doesn't your balls are not gonna fall out you know like yeah. that kind of thing which is something that nobody tells anybody if at best we talk about a vasectomy which it's not even an option for many people because women are the ones that are supposed to carry this issue um but if even you talk about it it's like oh my god they're gonna cut your dick off or something and it's like mm, not quite you know <laughs> not at all <laughs> but these aren't things that we discuss um and i think that th- the one thing many, but not all people know about how to prevent a pregnancy is condoms. But up until high school, when I, w- I had this information, I didn't realize it was like an implant that you could leave in and you wouldn't get pregnant, ideally. Um, uh, but uh, there's like all these things that there's other things that, that can impact if you get pregnant or not, or if, if you pregnant get someone pregnant that aren't discussed, like people that have different hormones levels. Like I, I at some point had this one hormone really high up in the sky. And I didn't know that that um, even if I tried to get pregnant, it wouldn't allow me to get pregnant. And then at some point, because of an ultrasound that wasn't done correctly, somebody thought that I had a, I don't know if this is the word for translation, but a bicorn uterus, which is a, um, it, it does, it's like a malformation in the, mm-hmm. in the middle of the uterus. And so that can either, um, that doesn't help you get pregnant either. So those are things that nobody tells you about or how people that get myomas are going to struggle to have a pregnancy and how hell like one in five women I've met so far have had them or have them at the moment mm-hmm. and how they can cause like super painful periods and like for me it was a reason to get the hysterectomy but some people that want to get pregnant so bad like they'll go through so many surgeries to try and remove them as best as they can even if they grow back so that they can have the chance to get pregnant so all of these things nobody tells you about it and nobody speaks about it and it wasn't until I had my surgery that I talked to my aunts and my my cousins and they were like oh I have this too oh I went through this too or this is my experience and it was like why did we not sit down and have this conversation earlier uh, I don't know there's we need a lot of information <laughs> 
Why do you think we don't like when I, I think about what I have learned in school and what I've learned outside of school, like, oh, well, of course they can't teach you everything. Yeah, yeah. So they're giving you what you can and then you, you'll learn things over On time for, from experience. But I do remember learning about like heart disease and diabetes and those mm-hmm. things in school. And a lot of the things related to sexuality are way more prevalent. Yeah. You kind of need them on a day to day basis. <laughs> yeah. So why, what are your hypotheses? about why we don't I think it has to do a lot with like social norms um it's very taboo to talk about anything related to the body like not just sex but like um we're all pretending everything is fine and we'll like at least here we'll pretend everything like if like nobody's sick until they're like falling apart (laughs) and that's like with diabetes that's that's a big thing in this country I don't know in other parts of the world but like a lot of people with type 2 diabetes ignore their diabetes because there's not no physical evidence that something's wrong like there's your your hands are not bruising you know your hair is not like turning green Mm -hmm. so you can ignore it for a long time and i think that's what people do with with anything related to sex like they're just like we're just gonna ignore it and it'll work somehow some way like even with periods a lot of people don't talk about um their kids about oh periods are like this and men usually don't even understand that some people have really heavy periods and some people don't and like they're oblivious to like how to buy a tampon at a shop for their partner or their sister we we are even thought um to wrap our tampons or pads in a lot of tissue so that they won't see it in the trash because it's bad because nobody should know that you're on your period and nobody needs to know this it's and i think that's that's the issue like they don't want to to think more out like outside of what is their scope like of what they're experiencing so it's like no if it's this is not my problem I'll let someone else figure it out or I'll let someone else teach you or explain this to you um and that nobody like I come from a very odd family so this is information that they were uh, able to gather but I think that for the most part many parents were not passed on this information so they don't really know how to explain anything to their kids and then they expect the schools to cover this and then the schools have a lot of uh even though it's it, I don't know if secular is the word but they're supposed not to be religious mm-hmm. um, we're still within a very religious country as a society so they're just gonna do the bare minimum to not get in trouble and not be attacked or like pointed out for saying something that at their house their parents might have want them to hear so I think it's a twofold thing like our generations the generations before us didn't have that information and they were thought of hiding everything and just like avoiding it as soon as much as possible and then going from wherever anything exploded maybe i think yeah <laughs> I, I i don't know that's a complex thing but yeah it sounds like your home life was different than a lot of people's but also that your school education was different but your peers outside of those programs and and your household did they get a bunch of misinformation or even disinformation where people flat out lied to them about sex um i think so there's a lot of uh, conversations about virginity and protecting your virginity, specifically for um, cisgender women. Um, one of my best friends had never been to a gynecologist because her mom wouldn't talk about that. 
and my mom took her. <laughs> oh, I really like your mom. <laughs> um, and when her mom found out that she was having sex, because the reason she went to the gynecologist is because she wanted to be on the pill, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. When her mom found out, she was lectured on and on for hours about how she had given up the one important thing about herself. Um, and that one thing that was going to get her the right person and how nobody would want to marry her. And it's, it, it, this was like 10 years ago. I'm not speaking about the 30s or, you know, like mm -hmm. this is a recent. And, and when she was telling me all this, I was just puzzled by like, why do we think this? Like, where is this coming from? Um, but she was legitimately concerned that nobody would want to marry her daughter because she was no longer a virgin. And it's just like, <laughs> what? Um, so and, and I met her in the high school that I went to. We were both in that school. Um, and with other friends, um, I don't So I my closest circle of friends in high school. There was a lesbian girl. Um, and when she came out to us, it was just like nonchalant. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it was because we're really cool people. And we just <laughs> you are really cool people. <laughs> Um, but I don't really know what the conversation with her mom was like that when she introduced us to her partner like it was all fine her mom accepted it there was no issue um, but her mom is a very educated woman that works with like a social social worker mm -hmm. what do you call them yeah social worker so I think she's more sensible to the like to the fact that there is a lot out in the world that besides being straight <clears throat> and my other friend, she grew up in a very conservative house, so she was terrified of ha getting pregnant after her first um, intimacy situation with her then first mm -hmm. boyfriend, um, even though she used a condom. She was terrified, and she was freaking out, and she wanted to get the next day pill. She was so worried, and it was just like, but you, we used protect what? <laughs> um, so I think that um, and we all met in high school. We were all friends um, from high school. Um, so I don't know, like, it depends Depends a lot on on your house. Like I think that school made the bare minimum, and I like the bare minimum. Um, and the house, the parents just approach things very differently from one house to the other, and probably it has to do with the fact that. We have people from all over the country. And depending on where you're from, like the traditions or like the taboos are going to be a little bit different. So, uh, you know, maybe people from different parts of the country have like different things that they don't talk about or, or things that they're scared of approaching. Um, and then we just kind of had to find this information on our own. Yeah, that's reminding me of a really precious memory I have of you where oh boy. <laughs> um, you brought me from for the conference that you're putting together to increase like inclusivity and mm -hmm. um, promote diversity for the youth of Tijuana. Yep. And there was a film that you showed that was in Spanish, obviously, uh, yes. we're in Mexico, about a kiddo who was intersex. Yeah. And you came over into the stadium seating where I was mm -hmm. and you started translating part of it for me. And I just remember it felt like being kicked in the stomach because yes. in parts of Mexico, Mexico, where there isn't a lot of education or there is taboo around sexuality, being born intersex, so not um, binary ma male, female, yeah. um, people don't know what to do. Yeah. And they're not invited into the school system. Yeah, they're not allowed to enroll because their birth certificates don't have a gender. So they, they just keep mark. them in the 
freaking house. Yeah. And so this mom was fighting for her kid to be able to go to school, um, but they wouldn't allow her. And, and like, how the hell does it affect whether your birth certificate has a gender or not when you want to go to school? Like, how does it stop them from learning at all? I don't. It, it, it like, boggles it, my mind. It's really dumb. It's just like, wait, you're telling me that because a paper doesn't have an X in one field, this kid cannot learn or will be uh, slower or how exactly is this a limitation to them? Yeah. Like, I but so do you, are you familiar with erotocentricity or ethnocentricity? No. So ethnocentricity is when you believe that your culture, like your traditions and experiences are, are the way that it should be for the whole world. Okay. And erotocentricity is a subset of that. So that's where you believe that your sexuality, what you experience or have access to is the way that everybody's sexuality should be. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you let all the kids go to school and their genitals don't matter. But I also, um, especially being here in Mexico and wanting to respect culture, like, okay, I think that this kid should go to school. Yeah. And how do I promote that without coming in and like stepping on, exactly. on people's traditions? Yeah. yeah. For, for me, it was really weird to look because I hadn't seen this documentary before. Um, we screened it there and it was so frustrating to me because it's like, how the hell does it, I, I like, he's not missing a part of his brain. Like, why can't he be with kids his age learning something? You mm -hmm. know, like, I don't understand. <laughs> um, so much fear. Yeah. And like, I, maybe because I, I understand it better than other people. And maybe other people think that intersex is something that has to do with maybe like, I don't know, like maybe wanting to assault people I, I really don't understand how being intersex is intersex is looked at as being maybe dangerous or why this kid could not be included in their community. Like, I think what you said is because there wasn't a place for them. So if we can't put, if, yeah, if this child can't go to, like, to the girls bathroom yeah. or can't go into the girls locker room or can't go into the boys locker room, then what do we, we don't know how to like yeah. let a child make its own decisions and be safe and respect. Thing, though, is that in schools here you don't have that division like aside from the restrooms but like we don't go to gym and we don't like you know how in the states you have lockers or mm -hmm. you have like gyms where they take a shower in between classes this is not something that's that happens in mexico like the day you have sports you go in a different uniform you work out whatever hour it is that you have sports for and then you go back to classes mm. and you carry your books you're gonna you smell awesome <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we do that for most of school. I think it's not until really high school that yeah. people start showering. But um, but so, yeah, like if there isn't a system to sort whatever activities you have to divide people by their gender for, like you might, you should design it. Like you shouldn't just say like this kid has to go away. And it goes back to like, just, just let someone else handle it or mm -hmm. fix it. Or like if I were to be in a position where that that's something that I find, like I can think of a solution like... <laughs> we all have a brain that, you know, like we can think of collectively work together to find a way to include this person. Because um, I think that at the basis of everything, like success is determined by your access to education. So like you're setting this person for failure. If you're not allowing them to go to school, like what do you expect them to do? They won't be able to read, to write, to add something, to know how much they have to bring to the store to buy their food. Like, you know, and, and yeah. I'm sure it's not the only person. Um, no, 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 no. So it's just like, 
figure something out. That's what you are there for. That authorities and education are supposed to be smarter than us when it comes to this stuff. To find solutions, not just shove them out and just not give them the access to education, which, by the way, here in Mexico is supposed to be free and available for everyone. So that's one thing. Like every child has a right to school, um, regardless of their income. So there, that's where there are a lot of public schools because you're supposed to have a spot on any school. You're supposed to be able to go to school even if you're like from a low income house. So it's like, you're what? <laughs> I don't know. It's really bothersome. I don't understand it. I mean, you and I are both problem solvers. So yeah, it's obvious <laughs> to us. But I think that this falls into the conversation about bad sex education is that if the education system is bad itself, then yeah. that decreases accessibility and to knowledge like, and the, the whole. And to think like that's what they're teaching everyone else in, in their community. Like mm. this person doesn't belong because they're intersex and you're outing them because I'm pretty sure that by then like everyone and their mother knew that the reason this kid is not enrolled and the reason their mom is fighting for them is because he's he she was intersex. So it's like why are you pointing out a little kid whose knowledge of life is just like being a group person you know like it's just <laughs> I don't know like it, I don't get it. <laughs> so let's talk about one of the problem solving things that you have done which I think is so magnificent your passion project will you talk a little bit about it? Okay. Lift our spirits <laughs> after this horrible discussion of discrimination and <laughs> Yeah failure. so um, I wanted to do something to get minorities into STEM so science technology engineering and math we need a lot of hands we need them urgently we have a lack of um, scientists and engineering and 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 mathematicians in the world and we really need them to save our asses (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but usually the people that are propelled to those careers are cisgender and male Um, there are statistics that show that girls stop manifesting interest in science after middle school because a lot of their teachers and their um, friends discourage them from doing so. And um, I wanted to do something about it and get more people in my industry. So I gathered up with a friend of mine. Um, she's awesome. And we want, we stormed, we brainstormed about, uh, we wanted to do something and um, we wanted to start by doing like a programming workshop. So we talked with friends. Um, we found some people that wanted to volunteer their time and their money because at the end of the day, they're investing their money as well. And we are doing a bunch of activities next year to get people to know and approach science and technology in a very safe and inclusive environment. And our first activity is going to be a programming workshop, but then we want to bring in um, a biologist to talk about global warming. And then uh, we want to do uh, like a little workshop on how to use a password manager and how to handle your information more safely online. And we want to do like a diversity conversation or like a round table um, with a screening of a documentary and and so on. Um, Trying to to do this at, at, at as best we can in the outskirts of the city where a lot of people don't always have access to this kind of activities, providing uh, sign language interpreters because we know that deaf people have a lot of uh, issues uh, having access to information beyond like the uh, what do you call it? The elementary school. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to, or, or nobody even knows that it is very necessary to have an interpreter at, at their events or where to place them. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that anybody, regardless of their income, regardless of their um, 
their disabilities or their gender or their gender expression will be able to come in, feel safe and talk to us and see people that are already in this industry. And if this is something that they're interested in, then they can pursue it. And we want to create a program of mentors where the organizers, including me, can follow up with people that want to study anything in this areas and try and find them scholarships and schools um, and programs that eventually can, you know, make them successful. And so we're having our first event in January. Hopefully the rest of the year is going to be full with activity some are bigger than the others but the idea behind it is that we want to show people first that science is not as scary as they seem um that's it they make it they make a book and second that <clears throat> we need them we need more people with different experiences at the table um because things like facial recognition is only designed to recognize white people and then when you have someone um in a different skin tone the freaking machines don't get it or or how the Alexa doesn't recognize people with a heavy accent because it's not programmed by people that understand that not everyone speaks the way that we we might speak. Or um, how the, the self-driving cars um, don't recognize uh, people with disabilities or don't take them into account because they don't look like a person walking straight. Um, they might be using a cane. They might be using a wheelchair. And so the programs are not designed to understand that there's a person in front of them because the one person that designed the software never thought, oh, this car might encounter someone in a wheelchair. And we need to design for that. So it's very, very important to me that we get more people of color, people um, in the autism spectrum, uh, people with disabilities, uh, people with mental illness, anybody that has a different experience to what is like the happy path, what's called the happy path in programming, um, to come in and to add their stories because it'll make a better product or a better service, whatever you're working in, um, because your life experience is different, you're going to be able to enrich that and, and, and ingrain it into the, whatever you're working in. And and so this is something that I wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and things are lining up or having the support of a lot of um, companies here in TJ. And we, I have an amazing staff. The people that are working with us are even, we had two meetings last week in the middle of the holiday break. And we were just like working a lot to make sure that we have everything for them, that we're not creating a lot of waste, which is another thing that we want to um, watch uh, and to be careful with um, and to make sure that the venue is completely accessible, that the food that we're providing is going to be something that everybody can enjoy regardless of their restrictions, preferences, or allergies. Um, so we, we want to make it like as, as safe for everyone as possible, including like a code of conduct, which is something that is not super common here in Mexico, um, but that we're, de we're designing everything. And we know it's not going to be perfect the first time but we'll get there eventually. Um, but that's the general idea behind what we're doing. It's really exciting. <laughs> You're such a powerhouse. <laughs> that's try. incredible. I love it. And I love hearing that it's already successful and your dream is coming true. You're it making is. a difference. You're going to encourage all of these people to get into STEM. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I think that it's the perfect storm in the good way that we need hands urgently. Like, yesterday like people are fighting over who they want to hire for companies like the one that i work for and that people um, can get higher education because there are 
there's a lot of scholarships and companies are paying for the schools and whatnot. So we can get people out of poverty faster through education. Mm. So Oh, you're so cool. And I loved it <laughs> this morning. The little girl who was at Christmas lunch, you gave her the tools. <laughs> the tool, little tool bench as a present. Yeah. yeah. I, I try to be congruent in all the things in my life. So I, I try to give things that are sustainable, that aren't violent, that teach you something. That's something that my parents told us that whenever we were giving a gift to a child, it should be something that should teach him and to teach him something good, not, you know, like a gun or um, something that was useless that would just create waste. So it's something that had an intent and a purpose. And if you were going to give him something, you know, you might as well give them a, a baseball or a basketball so that they would be, you know, active or something like to teach him a craft or stuff like that. So when I saw this thing, like you would usually think of it as a boy's toy, right? But I was like, this girl is a powerhouse on her own. She's not even <laughs> one and she's like a badass. And um, I'm sure that she's going to love it. And kids don't see the differences. Kids don't see a boy's toy or a girl's toy mm-hmm. until we teach them. And so um, whenever I am invited, which isn't that often anymore, I guess, but whenever I am invited into being part of a child's life, um, I try to give them things that um, defy those stereotypes. Like um, if I'm going to give them a toy, like a, like a doll, I try to make it like a, a Frida Kahlo a doll oh. or like a Remedios Baros book or something that, that just has something more than just entertaining them. Um, and I'm really happy that she really liked that toy. My mom was teasing me that I liked it better than, than the <laughs> little girl. But I <laughs> was really happy that she liked it and that her parents liked it. And I know their parent, her parents are, are just amazing. And I know that they're raising an amazing, amazing girl. Um, and I'm really happy that I get to witness that little girl growing up. Yeah. You're going to be a great influence on her. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think you will. Well, you want to do kegels? Uh, sure. I never know how to go about them, but yeah. <laughs> Main squeeze, squeeze it good. We can just have um, like 30 seconds of silence. Okay. And you can relax your pubic coccygeus muscles. Okay. How do you say it in Spanish? Oof. Musculos. So how do you say it again in English? Pubococcygeus. PCs. They're your so, pelvic floor. It's like the hammock el, el, that holds everything together. It's el viso pelvico, but the, the word that you're using, I don't know how to translate it. But it's, uh, the pelvic floor is, uh, pelvic floor is, I don't know how, to, I don't know if this is the right translation because I'm trans- translating the words, but maybe there's a different term. But el viso del bubis, I think. I need to Google it. <laughs> that sounds nice. <laughs> but yeah, so los músculos del pubis, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then what is uh, like the anus called? Ano. Ano. Mm-hmm. And what's vulva? That's the same. Vulva. Oh. Yeah. How convenient. I yeah. know another Spanish word. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same. La vulva and the vulva. And uh, penis? Pene. And the groin. Do you know the word groin? Whew. No. Mm, I don't think I know the translation from that one. That's okay. You know a hundred thousand more English words than <laughs> I know in Spanish. <laughs> Okay, so 30 seconds of silence. Do them however you choose. I I try to relax. Okay. So my, just like let my pelvis kind of Relajate lie down. Pelvis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
It's like tucking it into bed or something like that. I don't think we realize that we're always like stiff, like in general. And then things like this are like, oh, right. I can relax the body. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's this meme on the internet that says like, remember to unclench your jaw. And whenever I read it, it's like, I'm not clenching. Oh, I am. <laughs> So I, I don't think I realized that I was not clenching my pubic. You're muscles. a graphic designer. You could redo that meme to be like, yeah. Don't forget to unclench your your pussy or whatever <laughs> words you use. Yeah, it'd be yeah. Okay, last thing. Do you have a sex or credit assignment for the audience? Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you sex credit. I do. I don't think it has anything to do with what we have a conversation about with today but i would love for people to learn about um asexuality just mm. google it just see what comes up what that is um they say in mexico con que se come like what what is that about um because i think that's something that not a lot of people know exists for starters and, and like the spectrum of it as well because you would think that is you're sexual or you're asexual and that's the end but there's also like demisexuality and all that so i don't know if i'm sure that your audience has some knowledge about this but it's always good to learn and maybe it'll provide answers to people in partnerships with someone that's a asexual that they didn't realize it or maybe they will understand themselves they're asexual or that they're definitely not asexual but it's interesting I think that's perfect homework and it absolutely does relate because the antidote to bad sex ed is curiosity good. right doing <laughs> good, doing yeah uh, work of learning and getting the good sex ed yeah uh, so Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear more about sex ed, you can go to the YouTube channel and watch episodes yeah. where we, we go through the horrible experiences that people had. But um, I hope that this conversation has been enlightening and has brought some joy to people's lives to hear oh, yeah. about the cool things that you're doing <laughs> and uh, the, the people out there who are trying to make a difference. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah, we're still out there. You know, you just... You you just got to find your tribe. I'm pretty sure that wherever you are listening to this, you know somebody or can find somebody that's doing something good and they will give you hope and they will restore your soul, <laughs> which is what happens every time I see the people that I'm working with. They just nourish me. And whenever I feel like uh, I'm not doing enough, it's like, yeah, I think we're good and we'll get there. And even if it's not perfect, you know, people are out there, they're doing things. So they're so good. They're so hope. <laughs> Thanks for being on this Explanations podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our sexplanaut patrons at patreon.com slash explanations podcast, Ben Trammell, Donna Flint, Zip Watt, and the Millers. I appreciate all of you. And if you want to join them in supporting this show so that we can pay for recording and editing, uh, please do so at patreon.com slash explanations podcast. Also, shout out to Count Boogie. Uh, thanks for the jingles and my partner for hooking us up with recording right now. Yay! 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 Everything! <laughs> cool! You've done it all! Bye everyone in Cora and Paro. I'm still learning. <laughs>